Hey, everybody. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbV. In each episode, Nora has a real conversation with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start Embracing the Journey and learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and Jerry's over there. And this is Stuff You Should Know, a podcast. Yeah. Hey, dude. Hey. <laughs> what is that? Sweaty uh, balls? Bob Ross. <laughs> oh, man, I could sleep to that guy like... No golf tournament that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. Love that guy. Yeah, well, he's a lovable dude. Yeah, and you know what? He's on our list of uh, people that I want to bio on our show, along with Dr. Seuss and Mr. Rogers. There's a few of those icons yeah. out there that I still want to tackle. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it right now. Let's just scrap what we were going to do and start making up stuff about Bob Ross. It probably might be better than what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that bad? Food tasters? No, it, it's 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 not that bad. You know why it's not bad? Because everybody out there who's ever even thought of the concept of food tasters and then learned that it's a real thing mm-hmm. has this great conception of it. It's a right. bubble that we now get to come along and burst. Yeah. I love ones like that. Yeah, that's true. You Like, like to- oh, oh, you have a great fantasy about something? Not anymore. Yeah. Here's ugly, stark reality. We should change the name of our show to Dream Squashers. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's not bad. You like that? Yeah. I have to remember that. We could create a TV show where, like, we de-renovate someone's house. Like, we trash it. Yeah, dream squatchers. And then move a semi out of the way and be like, here's your new house. <laughs> this is the starter home you thought you loved. <laughs> it's awful now. I pooped on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Aaron uh, Cooper's going to love that one. Who? Aaron Cooper. Oh, yeah. What do you mean, who? It's funny because for people that don't know... Aaron Cooper, one of our oldest and dearest, most dedicated listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean old as an age. Um, <laughs> although he's no spring chicken. Um, of Kansas, which is why we make fun of Kansas uh, lovingly. Well, one of the reasons. He is our Photoshop guru and does all our great, funny Photoshop things. Yeah. Uh, and I, we met him in Denver, mm-hmm. came over and saw the show, came backstage. Yeah. And I gave him a, uh, a big toothless grin. Mm-hmm. And a photo and just said, have fun with that one, Coop. Yeah. And it's like been comedy gold since then. Yeah. He's good. I'd say about a third of our new Photoshop pictures are my big goofy toothless smile. Yeah. (laughs) It's just hard to resist putting that in there. He did one of my favorites of all time, which is me over Jack Nicholson's face coming through the door. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Shining. Yeah, that's a good one. And it's uncanny what that guy can do with Photoshop. It looks like I was in The Shining. Yep. 
pretty great. So I salute you, Aaron Cooper. Way to go, Coop. We should salute a listener for every show. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe just that once. Okay. So food tasting. Yes. There is legitimately a, uh, a profession out there. Yeah. Whether it's full-time or part-time, it depends. Yes. Where you are paid to taste test food. Mm-hmm. And it can be amazing food. Chocolate, ice cream, Ben and Jerry's have what they call flavor gurus. Yeah, they like profile them on their website. Uh, the flavor gurus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So those people are not just in, in charge of taste testing. They're in charge of like coming up with new flavor ideas. Yeah. They're, they're, well, let's get into it. They are, they represent one branch of, um, food tasters, like the professional, um, educated branch. Yes. Right? So if you're one of those food tasters, you probably have a degree in food science. Yeah. Maybe. Well, the Ben and Jerry's gurus, I think, are mostly food scientists. Right. Although, uh, what can they come up with that they haven't done? That's what I was kind of zoning out on. I don't know. You know? I mean, I know they're trying to still innovate with the ice cream, but yeah. I'm just I'm they curious. They need another hippie groove band to create an ice cream flavor for. It's like, have, let's fart on a honeycomb. <laughs> and, honeycomb fart and stir a pot of uh you know boiled cherries mm-hmm. with that honeycomb okay and then spit in it yeah that's been the jerry's new flavor wowie zowie <laughs> they do have an ice cream graveyard for real though on their uh <clears throat> i think it's on their campus oh yeah yeah where they put uh they have like these little funny gravestones mm-hmm. of of I guess like the fart, honeycomb ones? fart that didn't work out. Right. I love Ben and Jerry's. Oh man. I can't find any chubby hubby anymore. Oh really? No, like no, nowhere. I even looked up to see if it was discontinued. Have you looked in the graveyard? It's not in the graveyard. They say it's still out there, but I have do not see it anymore. Hmm. All I see are these, uh, the ones with the, what do they call them now? With the plug in the middle full of stuff. Cores? Yeah, the cores. Yeah. Cores are taken over. <laughs> yeah. I hope you like cores, pal, because that's all you're getting. Well, I don't eat as much ice cream now, which is good. Oh, okay. Because I can't find my Chubbs Hubs. There you go. What's your favorite? We talked about this. I like Chubby Hubby, uh, New York Super Fudge Chunk. Right. Um, are you talking just Ben and Jerry's? Because I have a different fa- favorite now, and it's um, Baskin Robbins, actually, surprisingly. Whoa. Yeah. Wh- which one? Mom's Baking Cookies. Wow. Oh, my God. Cookie dough, obviously. No. Oh, no? It's... Some sort of heavenly ice cream with like a ribbon of brown sugar. I do like my ribbon. Something else in it. Ooh. And it's like legitimately like when you've taken a bite out of a sugar cookie, a buttery sugar cookie, mm-hmm. and you've gotten most of it, but there's still like the just a little bit of like grit to it. Yeah. Uh that is the sensation of eating this ice cream. Alright, I gotta try that now. And Chuck, what I just did is what flavor tasters do. Uh, quick shout out to Haagen-Dazs chocolate peanut butter. Brother, that is about as good as it gets. Yeah. Anything chocolate peanut butter I will eat, but Haagen-Dazs is up there pretty far. And at the bottom, man, when you get all all the peanut butter Uh that sinks. Mm -hmm. (sighs) All right. All right. So that is taste testing. We, we could, we could have just made money had we been testing and then saying very plainly what we liked about them. Yeah. Because that's plainly what the job is sometimes. Right. 
And again, there's basically two ways you can get into it. One is you can be trained and educated and get some sort of degree, higher degree yes. in something like food science. Uh, you could be a trained chef. Yeah. Somebody who knows what they're talking about, quite literally, when it comes to food and taste. Right. Not just, oh, this is good. I like it. Yeah, like you, they want specificity. Right. Way to go, Tostinos. This is a great pizza <laughs> roll flavor. And a very refined palate. And we'll talk more about uh, sensory acuity, mm-hmm. but that's a big, big part of it. The other way you can get into it is you can just basically be some everyday schlub who yeah. says, you know, I think I could be good at this. Hook me up. I'll come, like, taste food for you. Yeah. And you write a letter like that, sign it in crayon. Mail it off somewhere and uh, see if they get in touch with you. Yeah, specifically if you live in uh, or near Marshall, Minnesota, and you like yourself some frozen foods, Yeah, you can apply to the Schwann Company and uh, basically just send in, like you said, send in your little uh, application and you can get hired on. Uh, they do, though, um, I believe make you pass tests. They, yeah. they don't just take anyone. Right. All of them are going to put you through some sort of testing, if not also testing and then training. Correct. Because not, not just anybody can do this. Some people have what you mentioned earlier. Um, it's called uh, sensory acuity. Yeah. Which is an ability to really differentiate the different flavors and textures and um, smells yeah. associated with particular food. And then on top of that, be able to um, discuss it in a... a objective, smart way. Yeah. It's not always a food company either. Um, there's a company called MMR Research Worldwide, and they do... Uh, mm-hmm. They're like the middlemen. Yeah. They, they or market women. research. Yeah. Middle people. Sure. And uh, they are the ones who will um, put you through the ringer with uh, sensory acuity, and they're the ones that say, you know, you really need to be able to not only articulate your thoughts for a piece of paper maybe that you fill out, but, you have to be nice to your kids, too. Well, that, too. We'll find out if you're not. But uh, many times you're in a room in that kind of setting with other people, mm. and you have to be able to get along and not fight about it. And uh, did you ever do any of those market research rooms? Uh, no. It, I used to – I got on some list post-college, and um, it's a great list when you're fresh out of college. Most of mine were not uh, actual tasting of food. Most of it was more, uh, what do you think about this ad campaign type of thing? Right. Like I, I did one for Heineken one time, and I was like, oh, great. You know, I get to go drink Heineken. You're like, yeah, great. Uh, did you? No, it was just about their, when they rolled out their big red star campaign. Oh, man. Um, and then I used to do them for non-food products like... Something at Home Depot or like a... You like his hammer? Home, yeah, basically. Got some good heft? Yeah. Hold like, it tight. How's it fit in your hand? Hold it tight. Are bite, you, bite your lower lip while you hold how it. How likely would you be to recommend this hammer? Like, just dumb <laughs> stuff like that. Right. Okay, so you don't need any training for that. And there are actual food tasting jobs that do amount to that. And right? you leave with like 50 bucks in cash, which is the best part, by yeah, the way. Yeah, but it's going to be like a, a thumbs up, thumbs down. Or something like, um, I think I saw, like, is this egg roll too spicy? Does pizza have enough cheese? Do these yeah. jeans make me look fat? It, it could be something, it could be something very broad, like give us your general thoughts about this product. Right. Or if they're in the final stages and they want to spend even more dumb money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's not true. Market research is valid. Um, it might be something super specific. Like you said, like, is there too much cheese? 
Like, or is there just enough? Yeah, like that's it. I don't want to hear about the tang of the sauce. Right. Or the crust. And if you're the kind of food taster who's like, whoa, what do you want to hear? You're yeah. not going to be very good at it. They want to hear legitimately. Yeah, what. they don't care. Yeah. Because this company, they're they're not, uh, they're market researchers that they get their dough either way. So we'll talk about dough um, and how the the a day in the life of a food taster goes right after this. Hey everyone, host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbbVie. In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they take action to understand the disease. That's right. Recognizing how a migraine attack can change the course of your day, she unpacks each guest's journey and how they talk to their doctors to find the treatment plans that are right for them. Yep, along with headache specialist Dr. Christopher Ryan and other special guests, Nora speaks to these incredible people who've channeled their feelings of isolation in their chronic migraine journey into advocacy and art. Plus, there are also eight episodes of their first season available for you to binge. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start, embracing the journey as they learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. So, Chuck, there's this really um, interesting article on a site called Billfold. Did you read the interview with the, the food taster? No, but I read one on Vice with three food tasters. Okay. Let's, let's chat about our experience. So, <laughs> uh, the one I read about, it was an interview with a food taster named Matthew. They didn't use his last name. But Matthew um, apparently is... Uh, has a, a pretty decent amount of uh, sensory acuity. Okay. Because he went through the training. He said the training, I got the impression he was trained by MMR. They didn't actually say who it was. Yeah. But I, I get, also get the impression that MMR is about the biggest game in town, if not really the only game in town. But what you're saying is he's in touch with his umami. Yes. Very much so. Okay. So he said that they, they give you like all these solutions to taste, but also sense to identify as well. Um, 
because uh, the old wives tale or old rule of thumb is that taste is 80% smell. Yes. Right. So, um, he passed all these tests and apparently also they test your, um, visual acuity as well. They want somebody who's sensorily very uh, attuned to what's going on. Totally. And then they said, okay, um, explain mayonnaise. Tell us what mayonnaise tastes like. Creamy, tangy, delicious. Yeah. Um, eggy. Does it taste eggy to you? I can taste the egg sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, you know how much I love mayonnaise. Do so you? it's hard for me to articulate. Do you love mayonnaise or do you love Duke's mayonnaise? Well, I do love Duke's, but I, I just, I love mayonnaise. You love all mayonnaise? Yeah. I, I mean, what other mayonnaise do you need besides Duke's? Well, you don't, but if Duke's is not available, I'll take a, I'll take a craft or a, yeah. or a, or Miracle a or a, no, that's salad dressing. It's different. But it's the consistency of. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a distinction though. Like, it's not mayonnaise. <laughs> because it's all artificial, right? A sandwich just isn't a sandwich without Miracle Whip. That's like, they distinguish themselves purposely from being mayonnaise. Okay. It's way tangier. Uh, is it? Yeah. And huh. I, I like Miracle Whip, but I just never buy it. Um, because I'm always getting that Dukes. Dukes yeah. Dukes Light, actually. Dukes is the bomb. One of the few light products that still tastes great. Yeah. I didn't know you loved mayonnaise so much. Oh yeah, man. Like if it was if I if it was more socially acceptable to just <laughs> squirt mayonnaise all over your plate of french fries like it is in Europe. Yeah, I was going to say. Then uh, I would be doing that every single time. Yeah. What I do is I ask for mayo for my burger and I'm like, "Oh, a little extra." And then I just Oh, like, look, oh, it spilled over. <laughs> yeah, to the side. Sneakily dip the fry in there. <laughs> I don't people think, cause there's some mayonnaise people think it's gross, which I never got. Uh, yeah, some people do. I don't get it either. Yeah. They'll eat aioli like that's any different. Right. Well, it's pretty pungent with the garlic. Not if it's not garlic aioli. It's just fancy mayonnaise. I thought it was all garlicky. That no. was like a hallmark of aioli. No. No. You have any kind of aioli. Yeah, but I thought there was still garlic in the base. No. All right, all right, all right. We're off track here. No, we're not. We're kind of. We're talking food tastes. All right. So let's talk food taste. Oh, wait. No, I know. We were talking about a day in the life of a food taster. Yeah. Ma- Matthew Taster and his mayo description. Right. So this guy really kind of tore the scales from my eyes as far as um, the what food tasting consists of. It's not fun. It's not a fun experience. And it can be very monotonous. Like, yeah. for example, so he signed on with this... Um, Actually, he was through a temp agency, and uh, the temp agency hooked him up with a frozen food manufacturer. And he went, yeah, sure. So the, the frozen food group was mostly concerned over, I think, the course of eight months um, with frozen French fries. Oh, he was that guy. Yes. Yeah, I did read that. And um, he said he tried frozen French fries in every different way. They would say, do you like these? They're a little, they're baked a little longer. Do you yeah. like these with this cooking time? Do you like these with this much oil? Do you like these with this much salt? And he said salt was like the through, the, the through thread throughout the whole thing. Sure. So much so that he, he, um, developed blisters in his mouth, sores in his mouth from eating these French fries <laughs> for, for eight months straight. And this is even working for only a couple hours a day. Because it's all you can work because your palate will get worn out. Yeah, well, that's not true, but 
<clears throat> well, a lot of these people work all day doing it. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you're full time in it. That's not what I heard. Yeah. Not what I heard. So in addition to having to eat the same stuff prepared the different way over and over and over again, um, you are, you're given the same test basically because the company wants to make sure that what you're experiencing is repeatable. Yeah, it's like a little science experiment almost. <laughs> exactly. So they'll say, "Here, try this fry. How how's the oily oh, that oiliness hit you?" Yeah. They'll say, "Oh, it hits me like on a 5 because there's this is again, this is supposed to be objective." Right. Like you said, it's a science experiment. So on one end, zero or oils, on the other end, 10 or fruit juices as far as taste impact goes, right? Okay. And so they say, "Okay, great. Here's some more fries. Do the same thing." But you don't remember what you gave it. So yeah. you actually are experiencing a certain level of stress because you feel like you're being tested yourself. Sure. And uh, it, it doesn't sound like fun. And at the end of the day, you go home and you dream of French fries and you wake up crying and yeah. have to get up and go do it again. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. Dream smashing. Uh, this article in Vice, uh, professional food tasters, tell us about their jobs. They interviewed three people, and uh, the highlights are as follows. Uh, Louise Bamber is a uh, product manager for ASDA, and she says, in a testing week, I can be tasting up to 250 ice creams from 8 in the morning till 8 at night. See that? I mean, that sounds great, but she's probably taking a bite and spitting it out. She is. She says she spits it out. She said, and if I don't, that means it's a really good ice cream if I actually swallow it. Yeah, I imagine so. Like if you're eating 200 something ice creams a day. Yeah. And, uh, she loves her job. Like I don't think all these people are like, oh my God, I hate my life. No. You they know? all hate their jobs. <laughs> uh, and she says she always craves like buttery mashed potatoes and cheese and crackers and things. And she goes to the dentist four times a year because of her job. Mm hmm. Uh, there's a guy, Peter Nixon. Um, if you ain't got Peter Nixon, then your food tasting group could use some fixing. <laughs> so bad. Uh, he works at Morrison's. Um, t- and his, this is his day. He says, and this is all quote, uh, at eight in the morning, I have around five different cooked meats. Half hour later, I taste, uh, from 15 different quiches. Uh, 9.30 in the morning is pie hour. I taste 10 different pies. Then I vomit. All of our chicken pies, all of our steak pies, plus all of the fruit pies. I was going to say. And that is my day every day. Uh, then at 10 on the dot, I have a bacon buddy, B-U-T-T-Y. I don't even know what that is. It might be some product they sell. Or it's a misprint. Maybe. Uh, and then he says he actually does eat a proper lunch and dinner. Um, when he gets home just to keep his life sort of normal. But, uh, he points out that, especially in the case of pies, you have to take a bit from each part of the pie. Yeah. So he said you gotta taste the lid, the pastry, the filling, and the meat content, mm-hmm. and the gravy. Cause they're always experimenting with gravies. Have I talked to you about pork pies? Uh. And you, how much I love them? Yeah, yeah. From mm-hmm. the, from the trip to England? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Is that your new obsession? Oh, yeah. Where do you buy them here? I don't know. Oh, you haven't found them? No. Oh, I'm sure you can get pork pies in Atlanta. I hope so. Uh, and then finally, they talked to this guy who's a noodle taster, and he is the founder of his own uh, Kabuto noodles. Have you heard of those? Mm-mm. I haven't had them, but it's supposedly like a 
um, sort of a finer version of, you know, cup of noodles or ramen. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't had it. Yeah, they're supposed to be pretty good. You ever had tofu noodles? Mm, I don't think the noodles. Dude, like five calories, zero, like tofu, zero though. very low carb. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, and they're noodles. Yeah. And they're made from tofu. Um, <laughs> and they good. are really great. They're a great substitute for pasta. I do like tofu. My you pasta, love these. uh, substitute though is spaghetti squash. Uh, yeah, this is gonna, this is, you, once they're cooked, you have no idea that they're tofu. They, yeah. They taste and appear just like, um, cooked no, pasta. Pasta noodles. Yeah. Um, this dude started his own company and he said that when they were getting going, uh, he tasted, he said easily over 200 noodle types. Uh, and when they tasted their own company, he said it's not the kind of thing where you taste a little bit and spit it out. Like they require that you eat the whole pot. He said, because it's different. And the whole five gallon pot. Yeah. <laughs> he said it's different. Like as you work your way through it, being a noodle in a soup. Oh yeah. That's and you true. don't just like take a little broth off the top. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yep. And that's, that's actually a huge distinction for that company then, because for the most, for the most part, like you said, you, you are going to take a small bite, but you might take different. Small bites of different components. Yeah, a little crust, a little lid, a little filling, a little gravy, a little meat. And then with each of those bites, right? So for the lid, they'll say, how rate the butteriness. Right. Spit it out. Take another bite of the lid. How's the flakiness? Spit it out. Take another bite of the lid. Uh, is it sweet? Yeah. And then you do that. So What kind of sweet? Of, a bunch of different kinds. Yeah. A bunch of different times, just for the lid. They say, okay, spit it out. Let's start over again, and let's see if you give it the same marks this time through. And that's just for the lid. Yeah. That's not just for the meat content. It's like for all the different parts, you have to rate them and then do it again and again. This job is horrible. I don't care what anybody (laughs) says. Well, I can see very easily how you would grow to loathe whatever you're eating. Yeah. Like that guy probably never eats another French fry again in his life. And what kind of life is that? I can't remember if he said he does or not. It probably took a while at the very least. He's, he says, I feel like at the end he's, he, like he'll eat fries. Really? Or something. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, he, he got mouth sores and he said some people develop dental problems so they quit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the ice cream lady goes four times a year. Yeah. Like me. Good for her. Um, did you know I have to go four times a year now because mm-hmm. my stupid teeth? Yeah. You told me. Ugh. Does uh, insurance cover those or just the two? Mm. I should say, does Obamacare cover them? Because <laughs> uh, two should be free. Yeah, it, I have to pay more than your average Joe for my tooth care. Yeah. And that's not including the, uh, you know, the obvious extra work. I got you. That I've got going on. Is um, that why you've been stealing from the office lately? Yeah, I've been stealing from the, <laughs> the swear jar. <laughs> but I've been adding most of that. In yeah, fairness, yeah, yeah. So. it all evens out. Two more weeks, new tooth. Um, so if you're a professional, uh, they, there are some things that you need to do to, to keep your mouth and, uh, just all your senses kind of sharp. Um, one of the main things they say to do is to not be a smoker. Although I was surprised to learn that that's not just an absolute requirement. Yeah, me too. I thought like once they found out you're a smoker, they'd tell you to get out. I'm sure it varies. I bet you there are plenty of companies that don't allow you to smoke. Yeah. But I was also wondering, like, with every disc, everything that disqualified you. Yeah. Couldn't you also make the case that that makes you like a niche taster? 
Like, surely there's a bunch of smokers out there that are going to eat this turkey pot pie, and they want to make sure that smokers love it, too. So maybe let's get, an, uh, <laughs> like, this these high-end, like, smoke <laughs> smoker uh, food tasters. I'm just, I'm trying to picture that as a marketing tool, like, you know, <laughs> the, the turkey pot pie for the, for the rotten mouth. Right, exactly. <laughs> You'll love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all, all the food yeah, tasters in that group, can't you see them? They all look like Chris Cooper or something like that in, in adaptation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, boy, that was a great role for him. Sure. Um, he, uh, or not he, um, <laughs> in the research, I was surprised to learn that you could smoke, like I was saying, because one of the things pointed out that, they will demand that you not smoke within 30 minutes of tasting. Yeah. Which just seems like. If you're a heavy smoker, that's torture. Yeah. Like, well, I just had like five camel menthols half hour ago. And they're like, <laughs> oh, well, you're good. <laughs> you're good to go. Let's have a seat. Yeah. Open um, up. So that does surprise me. Um, what else? What, like, what else are you not supposed to do? Yeah. Just like keeping, like, you know. If you have food allergies, then you're probably not destined for a career. Unless you're a part of a niche food allergy food testing yeah. group, like uh, a, a glute, uh, gluten person. Yeah, and I was Gluten-free researching. Person? Yeah, I was researching um, uh, food tasting or food tasters just across Google, and um, I found that there are not one but two portable food testing uh, devices that detect gluten. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. There's huh. the NEMA and the Six Sensor Labs gluten, portable gluten detectors. So this is if, clearly, if you have celiac. Yeah. You would have one of these. You put some not, food in not it. Not trust your restaurant that you're eating in. Right. Screw the, the lid on, and I think. Shake it up. One of them, like, gives you a smiley face if it's all good. Or it's like the smile's like, you're going to get messed up in a second. And the other one just has a toilet with a line through it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, I, I thought. But I mean, it's handy if you have like a severe gluten allergy. Well, Emily is off the gluten and she is not celiac, but she has found a lot of just positive digestive results mm. by avoiding gluten. Uh, but she did dabble in it in Europe. And it did not affect her, which uh, there are some who say, like, you Once know. Once you go non-gluten, you can't go back. <laughs> no, there are some who say that the, the wheat over there is different and that. Oh, uh, oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know if it's true or not, but. We got to do one on milk because there are two definitely distinct types of milk available in the U.S. And a lot of people think that that's why so many people in America have um, milk allergies. Yeah. yeah. Because of the milk that we're drinking. Interesting. Yeah. We got some milk. Uh, what we're trying to do now is she's reading a book called Pharmacology. Mm-hmm. And so we're very much trying to buy not just organic, but and not just local. You're going to milk your own goats? <laughs> organic, local, seasonal food. Yeah. Basically part of the whole slow food thing, trying to eat things that aren't shipped all over the country or frozen ever. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and so we've been going to the local farmer's market and only getting what they have to offer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got this milk from a grass-fed Atlanta dairy, mm-hmm. whole milk. Mm-hmm. It is the sweetest, creamiest, most delicious. It tastes like dessert almost. Nice. It's so delicious. I'll bet that would make Frosted Flakes really pop. Oh, my God. It's so good. And we bought it for our daughter, but I drank like half of it myself. <laughs> And then the farm fresh eggs, like, it's all just noticeably better. It's all good. It ain't cheap, though. 
Yeah, I can imagine. But putting money in a farm, putting cash in a farmer's hand and them handing you eggs is like a great feeling. Sure, yeah. You know, you feel like you're participating in how things should work and not like, well, this came off the truck and only half are broke. Yeah. So let's put them in the grocery store until they rot and then we'll throw them away. Yeah. All right. That was a little soapbox moment for you. Um, aftershave and cologne. No good. Perfumes. Yeah. No good. You got to put your Dracar up forever. Yeah. Cause that all goes back to the smell and taste thing. Yeah. They don't want your Dracar tainting. That They're smoky pizza rolls. pot pie or pizza rolls. <laughs> and then how much can you make, Charles? You know, I always these are always very dubious numbers when I see articles like, you can earn between thirty and $100,000 a year. <laughs> right. Depending on your negotiation skills. Yeah, I mean, it's that's what it says, but... Yeah, uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics does not have a food taster category, but they do have a uh, food scientist category. And even that's pretty pretty uh there's a pretty wide spectrum between the two i think the mean annual wage for food scientists and technologists is 65,340 with some professionals earning more than 100,000 yeah so I, yeah i think you're right take These that and throw it in all, the trash yeah exactly uh, you might also end up i should say a uh, pet food taster oh yeah um people eat it's a thing people eat pet food and the reason why is because the the theory goes that if a human finds it disgusting, there's a pretty good chance your pet's going to find it disgusting or awful yeah. or bad or tasteless. So humans eat pet food as part of taste testing. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting section because I, I, I thought it was a joke at first. But they, they first point out that there's way more testing of the product than actual t- tasting. Right, but that's part of it. But it is part of it. And um, smell is a big part of it. And <laughs> made perfect sense to me like not only are animals enticed by smell but as a human you don't want to open that can of cat food yeah and gag (laughs) because it's so strongly smells of (laughs) like salmon guts or whatever is in it so um it has to be (laughs) it has to be palatable to the human in a smell sense right you know yeah um like our dog food is a little stinky because it's all, like all natural, like real meat stuff. Sure, but um, from that local farmer. Yeah. Oh man, I wish get some local dog food. I bet there is some. Oh, I guarantee there is some. What other kind of food tasters are there? There's the one that most people think of when they think of food taster, which is the one that is basically testing food out to make sure that the king or these days the president isn't being poisoned. Yeah, I saw a website um, that was making fun of Obama. King Obama is what they uh-huh. called him. Yeah, I saw because, that too. You know, he had someone taste his food and blah, blah, blah. And they didn't, they failed to mention that every president has people who taste their food. At least since Reagan. Yeah, when they go out from the White House, it's a very common thing. Mm-hmm. Secret Service doesn't give details on that because they're Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Um, but. They they take great measures when outside the White House to make sure the president's food is safe. Right. Um, and Putin took a lot of heat in 2012. So apparently it comes up every once in a while and everybody makes fun of whoever it is that. Yeah. Oh, it's called it the food taster. Henry but it's actually VIII. it's actually a very, very old tradition that dates back at least to the Egyptians where there oh, were sure. people of great import would have somebody eat their food. First, which is stupid, it turns out, because there are almost no poisons available to humankind. 
that kill so quickly yeah. that a food taster would be affected by it before the person, the president or the king or whoever, ate. Yeah, cyanide is the quick killer. And even that takes like an hour, right? Uh, it says minutes. Oh, okay. But, well, there uh, you go, cyanide. St- uh, strychnine, uh, atropine, trioxide, other things, arsenic, uh, things that people have generally used in history to poison people. Like mm-hmm. you said, not like King Henry VIII said, well, I'll wait a day before I get that turkey leg going. <laughs> right. um, It'll be kind of nasty by no, then, but who like, cares? i got to feed my gout, so uh, <laughs> bring it on. And uh, this this person who wrote this article, Ashley Lutheran, said that she thinks of it more like a placebo. It just made uh, them feel better about tasting. Right. Um, I ran across an article of one of Hitler's 15 young girls who tasted his food during World War II. He had 15 young girls tasting food? Yeah. And she was the only one who survived because she was the only one who left the wolf slayer before the Russians rolled in and killed all the rest of them. Why? That seems like weirdly fetishist. He had young girls eat chew his food and spit in his mouth. That's kind of fetishist. Yeah, like it seems they didn't do that. I'm just joking. I know, about but that just part, but. bring me 15 young girls to taste my food. Just seems weird, right? And uh, well, there was a lot about Hitler that was weird, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, um, but that was definitely part of it. Was um, he had 15 young girls taste his food? <laughs> um, let's take a break, man, and then we're going to tell you, everybody, when we get back. As maybe even you could consider it a PSA. Yeah, we could do that for tax reasons. How you at home can develop your own palate. Hey everyone, host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbV. In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they take action to understand the disease. That's right. Recognizing how a migraine attack can change the course of your day, she unpacks each guest's journey and how they talk to their doctors to find the treatment plans that are right for them. Yep, along with headache specialist Dr. Christopher Ryan and other special guests, Nora speaks to these incredible people who've channeled their feelings of isolation in their chronic migraine journey into advocacy and art. Plus, there are also eight episodes of their first season available for you to binge. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start. Embracing the journey as they learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. 
and you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887, and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. All right, Chuck. So if you want to go about creating a more sophisticated palate for yourself. Yeah, not even just to become a food taster. No, but just to enjoy life more. Sure. And, and we should say it does seem like a bad idea to teach Americans how to appreciate food more. We've got a pretty big food problem as it is. Yeah. It turns out that if you follow some of these steps, you'll probably end up eating less, as yeah. a matter of fact. Um, because about savoring your food. Exactly. Which requires things like going slow, slowing down and thinking about the food that you're eating, right? Yeah. That's, uh, well, let's just start there. Uh, if you think, I mean, it, it, it's a process. The way the chemicals fire in your brain from your taste buds, mm-hmm. like we've talked about smell and taste, mm-hmm. um, it seems immediate, but there's a process going on. And if you're just shoveling, if you're drinking that gallon of ramen down, like it's Gatorade on a hot day. Sure. You're not savoring all the subtleties of that broth. No, you're not. But if you can slow down, um, some of the recommendations are eat with chopsticks, use your non-dominant hand. Yeah, boy, that'd be tough. Chewing 30 to 50 times per bite. Ridiculous. That is really tough. That's ridiculous. Um, turning off the TV or your computer or putting your phone up. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, making the meal last 20 minutes. Yeah, that we should. That's... Like maybe taking breaks if you need to, if things are going too fast. I, I try to eat a little slower when I think about it. Sitting down while you eat. It's a you, big first step right there. Do you stand and eat? Uh, I mean, it depends on the meal and how busy I am. Occasionally, I'll stand at my kitchen island yeah, and eat. Yeah, same here. I like it. Oh, you like it? Yeah, and not like as a everyday practice, but uh, it's not by accident that I'm standing. I got you. Like, I'm, I kind of enjoy it. Okay. So you want to not do that so yes. you can savor the food. <laughs> and when you're savoring this stuff, you you're when you're... When you're savoring it, you're eating more slowly. Correct. And by eating more slowly, you're probably going to be paying a lot more attention as well. And right. surprisingly, I didn't realize this, but uh, this this article says that um, your digestive processes become 30 to 40% less effective when you're tuned out, when you're not paying attention. You're like watching TV or something like that, and you're not paying attention to your food. Yeah, that's interesting. So training yourself could actually help you become healthier because yeah. you may get more nutrients out of your food because you're breaking it down better. Yeah, plus don't they say that like a lot of overeating is eating too fast because you just power through that point where you're really full, but you just don't know it yet. Right, yeah, harahachibo. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God. Yeah, I can't move. Yeah. Yeah. No so, good. If you are paying attention, you're also feeling when you're starting to get full and you say, okay, bail, bail, and that stuff expands and all of a sudden you're fully full, but right. you're not overly full. You just feel good. Yes. You ever hit that sweet spot when you're eating oh, yeah. and the food is literally making you high? You're getting a body high from it. You're just getting well, off on the food. That. Oh, that happens to me every once in a while yeah. with you with very fresh food where um, I'm eating just the right amount. Mm-hmm. Like I'll feel high, not like out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm I ate too much, but like invigorated. Yeah. And and you can actually train yourself to do this very simply too. Rather than just taking it slow, you can pay attention 
Yeah. And just start out, this article suggests, by um, taking a slice of apple uh-huh. and removing all um, distractions and all that and eating the slice of apple and like just closing your eyes and paying attention to yeah. every aspect of it. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's, it's all just basically training yourself to pay more attention. I like that. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't ever considered was, uh, medicine and prescription drugs, especially, mm-hmm. uh, in clinical studies, they've identified more than 250, uh, scripts that will alter your taste sensation. Right. And, um, you might not even see it listed on the, on the side effects, but, uh, you might not even realize it, but, um, your, your taste buds have been dulled, especially if you're older, uh, elderly take, uh, a lot more pills. And um, a lot of times they have a harder time tasting, and for other reasons as well. Right. But a lot of it could be due to medication. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you ever see that Simpsons where Marge is cooking pork chops and everybody's complimenting it? And she's like, thank you. You might say the extra ingredient is salt. <laughs> I did not. Um, I think it's the least that goes vegetarian one. But um, that's a really good point. There's it's probably an extreme, but there's a lot of people out there who are in ruts. Uh, and who aren't adventurous. And I feel so bad for people who aren't willing to, to point to a food and say, that looks weird. I've never had that before. Let me try it. Right. Instead, they say, that looks weird. You, I'll never touch that. Because right. they're missing out on a whole world of stuff. Not sure. just with that particular dish, but maybe the spices in it that go with other dishes that lead you to other dishes. Or, uh, I've never tried this nation's cuisine. Yeah, before. like, oh, I don't, I won't eat Indian food. It smells funny. Yeah, it's like, like oh man, you're of it? missing out on so yeah. much. Yeah, it's sad. Of course, there are certain, I don't get super adventurous with certain animals and stuff, but that's a different deal. Oh, because of cruelty? Yeah, just, you know, I, I might not want to eat shortbreads, and I don't mm, think I'm, like, yeah. missing out on something. You're not. Uh, I think personal taste comes into play as well. Have you, so you've never had shortbreads? Uh, no, like, there, there, there are a or lot sweet of... sweetbreads, I'm sorry. Yeah, what's well, I saying? Shortbreads. We were both saying shortbreads. <laughs> yeah, shortbreads is disgusting. Yeah, fruitcake. Mm. Uh, sweetbreads. Sweetbreads. Some of the brain glands yeah, of glands lambs, and I think, awful right? and brains and... Uh, Organ meats, I'm just not a big fan of. Yeah. And I've, I've tried them enough to know I don't need to try them more. Boom. There you go. You tried them. That's the but key. But many I have not, because I don't need to. I see what you're saying. You've had enough tripe to know you don't want stomach. Yeah. I had a tripe taco once. Did you? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, like it's it. a thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. Although it was I something that I, I've got a great, uh, that's a great example. I tried tongue before. And I'm like, holy cow, I really like tongue. I've yeah, tried cheeks before. Tongue freaked me out. And, well, it depends on how, could you tell it was tongue? Yep. You're not supposed to be able to tell it's tongue. Had that texture. Oh, yeah. it's No, it's supposed to be much more chopped up than that. Like, you don't want the exterior. You want the stuff that's inside. No, it was, it, it, I just... Okay. I think you had poorly prepared tongue. No, this is good stuff. Uh, well, I've never had it where you could tell it was tongue. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I tried it and I'm like, holy cow, tongue's great. Same with cheeks. Yeah, cheeks like are cheeks. great. Um, they're like probably the tastiest part of any animal. And you know where I learned that? Well, Hannibal your own, Lecter. Your own personal taste. Well, I first heard about eating cheeks from Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, but as far as it being the best part of the animal. Right. That's your personal taste. No, no, it's, it's objectively <laughs> true. 
Like we should make that clear. But the point is here is that had you never tried tongue, yeah. you wouldn't know you didn't like it, and you'd just kind of be uh, bereft for not having tried it. I'd be super bereft for not having tried it because I do like it. But we're adventurous, and that's the point. Go be adventurous with your food. And if Indian food See, is I'm, the threshold I'm of your adventurous, officially disagree. Oh, I, like, I don't understand how you can eat what you want to eat. Everyone doesn't have to be like you. No, 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 no. That's fine. Like if you don't want to be adventurous, then, oh, I then, disagree with that. Then don't be. I like, feel bad for you if you're not adventurous with food. Yeah, I don't think you should take pity on someone for liking what they like. No, no, I, I don't. And no, I, and I, knowing what they don't want to try. Like, but I think it's a lot of people. Who, thing. I think a lot of people who don't want to try something if you if you look at their diets they're probably pretty limited you know what i mean it's not expansive and then just this stuff like ofol and tripe i'm not big on yeah but that's okay too uh, whatever sure People i'm not going to come to your house and make you eat anything like, but i do feel bad for you because i think you're missing out yeah. on some really great sensory pleasure I, I think the people that aren't like that will say you know what don't feel bad for me because i'm great and i'll say TS for you. I feel bad for you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, I'm just always very conscious about putting my stuff on other people sure. and saying, like, well, I can't believe you're missing out I'm if not, you haven't I'm seen not, that movie. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm saying I pity them. That's all. And I'm not, like, a foodie either. Like, I hate foodies. I think foodies are annoying. Yeah. It's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying from personal experience, when I've been adventurous, nine times out of ten, it's paid off. Well, that works for you. That's yeah. great. Uh, cleansing the palate is a big deal, uh, especially if you're a taster. Um, you got to neutralize it, and they say a lemon wedge or an orange segment mm-hmm. could do that. Which explains why they give you orange segments at the end of a Chinese meal sometimes. Never understood it. I thought it was just like supposed to be a sweet treat, but I guess it's to cleanse the is palate. It? Maybe too, before your uh, dessert or whatever. Yeah, and that also explains sorbet, too. Because it's usually like a citrusy. Oh, very fruity. Yeah, it's usually citrusy. So I guess that's why. I always knew it was for cleansing the palate. I just never understood how it did it. Uh, or they say, and I hate the, the word tepid, especially with water. Do you? But Like moist? Tepid water? It's just, I don't know. I like cold water. Okay. Uh, but tepid water, they say, can be a good palate cleanser as well. Sure. Uh, and you mentioned salt earlier. Uh, I'm a big advocate for salt. Yeah. Um. But the proper amount, of course. Yeah, and in, in salt, I've found you can use not just as a seasoning, but almost like mechanically. Like I, I have this great new secret for guacamole. My guacamole is probably the greatest guacamole anyone's ever created. Oh, do you make it in uh, mocojete? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, but the first step I found, I recently figured this out. Cut the onion and um, put it in the bowl or the mocojete. Yeah. And salt it. Salt the onion and oh, let yeah. it sit there. And the salt starts to like macerate or I guess break down because I don't know if macerate specifically is sugar and vinegar, but it yeah. breaks down the, the, the structure of the onion yeah. and really lets those enzymes out so you can really taste the onion. Ooh. It's a great first step. And then do the same thing with the tomatoes and let the tomatoes and onions sit there salted for a little while. Yeah. And before you move on and make the rest of the guacamole, dude. It's like a brand new day. Yeah, I make a good guac. It's, yeah. it's very popular in the household. And you know what's a great substitute for tortilla chips? Radishes. For for guacamole, it's a great sub. Yeah, I like my tortilla chips. Sure. 
I'm a traditionalist. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can dip anything in guacamole and like it. Yeah. You know, give me a piece Dirty of- Dirty thumb? Give me a, a cauliflower floret, mm-hmm. and I'll dip that in there. What do you say, a dirty thumb? (laughs) Uh, A farty honeycomb? (laughs) (laughs) Has this episode totally gone off the rails, or is this good stuff? No, it's totally gone off the rails. It hasn't? So our debate is just like... What do you mean? I mean, should we just go back and edit it out? No, that's up to you. Why is it up to me? Well, because you were the one taking the hard line. So? I stand by (laughs) it? (laughs) Well, great, then leave it. Uh, so anyway, salt is the, the, uh, the right amount, like an under seasoned meal, um, with no salt is, is not good. You want salt. Sad. And if you don't use a lot of salt at home and you wonder why restaurant food always tastes better, it's because they're salting your, their food. Yeah. Correctly. But too much salt is no good. And if you use too much, you need even more. And then it's a problem. Yeah. It's, it's better, I think, not to cook with a lot of salt, but to, um, Start to add it a little bit at the end, like when you're making like a stew or something like that, because it's easy to oversalt it, and then you're totally screwed. Yeah. Um, and then I've never figured out why this is true, but there's finishing salt, which is basically just salt, but applied like right before the meal is served. So yeah. like if you take a steak yeah. and you just sprinkle just a little bit of salt on it before mm-hmm. you serve, it does something magical that yep. goes way beyond just adding salt to a steak should. Yeah. And I don't understand what it is. It's delicious. Yeah. But, I mean, there's something to it for sure. I'm from the South, so I eat too much salt. Yeah. Uh, Salt and butter. I have a good taste for it. Mm. Um, I'll just get a salt lick like a horse. I have it mounted on my dining room wall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of eating too much salt, apparently uh, the average human needs something like 1,500 milligrams a day, and Americans eat between 2,000 and 8,000 a day. Which is nuts. Yeah. Um, and this article points out that quitting salt for a week and quitting sugar for a week. Yeah. And just saying, I'm not going to eat anything with this, this stuff for just like, just a week. Yeah. It might seem like a lot by Wednesday, but just make it through the rest of the week and you will basically recalibrated your palate. Yeah. And all of a sudden, um, like junk food tastes cloying. But you can really appreciate the like more subtle sweetness of some stuff or more right. subtle saltiness of other stuff. And like you really appreciate salt rather than bombarding your tastes with, you know, too much salt or too much sugar. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely an exercise worth doing. Well, and all that packaged, uh, garbage food that we talk about is just loaded with sodium mm-hmm. and sugar, you know? Yeah. Like even a can of soup. You look at like sodium content on just a can of soup. Yeah, it's true. Terrible. Sad. You got anything else? No, man. It's always good to quit something that you're addicted to for a week just to make sure you can do it. Yeah, I agree. Unless it's good deeds. Unless it's tongue or <laughs> cheeks. Just eat that anytime you can. Okay? I'm ready. I liked your good deeds thing. That was good. No, you should quit that for a week, too. <laughs> just treat people poorly. Yeah. See how it goes. Just do d- dream smashers. Uh, if you want to know more about food tasting, type those words in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this Butte Detail. Uh, this is from Chelsea in Butte, Montana. Okay. Uh, and we talked a lot about evil. Can evil be in from Butte? Uh, and he said, it really stood out to me how frequently you guys commented on evil growing up in the rough Butte community and how it affected his uh, personal presentation. 
here are a few things that might help you understand all this. Okay. Uh, number one, nobody calls it Butte, Montana. It's called Butte, America. What? How about that? Uh, Butte, number two, Butte was a huge mining town that saw tremendous growth, wealth, and decline, and is still very much tied to its mining past. Number three, Montana's political campaign contribution laws were, in large part, passed in response to the Copper Kings and the wealth resulting from the copper mining operations. Uh, also, the Montana Capitol Building had electricity before many parts of the country. Fun fact. Uh, number four, Butte has an incredible history tied very closely to the history of unionization. Number five, finally, Butte had and still has a very Irish population. Uh, you don't go there for St. Paddy's Day unless you're there to party hard. Oh, yeah, sure. Didn't know that. Butte, uh, America? Yeah, isn't that weird? Huh. Um, so in short, Butte's history is very much still tied to its current identity. Uh, it's still a very scrappy place. But that being said, some of the best and most loyal people I knew, uh, I know, grew up in Butte. I uh, hope this helped clarify cool. how evil became who he was. And please keep making podcasts forever so I never run out of content to binge while at work. Nice. That is Chelsea. Thanks, Chelsea. That was an awesome email. Chelsea from Butte, America, <laughs> yeah. planet Earth. Why do they hate Montana? Uh, maybe the, it's just its own own thing, Butte is. I guess, yeah. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can hang out with me at Josh underscore um underscore Clark. Uh, you can hang out with Chuck on Facebook at Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Or you can hang out with the both of us at um, Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know, right? That's right. Send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, everybody, if you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours, too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions.